gospel in light of scripture if we deal with conflict as a church not only do we need to recognize and say hey this is wrong this is this is not lining with scripture we also need people who can say i can defend the truth and here it is in scripture i can defend the truth of the gospel in light of scripture let's keep going verse six now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter and when there had been much dispute peter rose up and said to them men and brethren you know that a good while ago god chose among us that by mouth that the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us, and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. I love that. I love that passage. Isn't it interesting? He's, he didn't say that they're saved in the same manner that we are. He says we're saved in the same manner as they are. That, that, that brings it home, right? It's like, listen, we as the Jewish people, we're saved the same way the Gentiles are. What? What? No, they're saved the same way we are. Listen, I think it was important for him to make that distinction and say, listen, you, you are saved the same way that they are saved. But I want you to notice a few other things in this conflict resolution. Notice they did not involve everyone in the church on this matter. They didn't say, hey, church-wide meeting, town hall meeting for the whole church come together what did they do they said it was the apostles and the elders now who are the elders pastors okay that's the, the biblical model i get it today there's churches that use the term elder and they've created this new idea of leadership within the church elder means pastor okay so when we're reading through the scriptures and we see the apostles and the elders came together to consider the matter they didn't invite everybody in the church they said apostles and elders i think sometimes we make things worse when we have public debates over issues when we create this um all right it's town hall we want everybody to gather together everybody so they can voice their concerns right and that creates what division it automatically does i mean you're creating it that way i've been to church business meetings and people show up and they haven't even been in church on a sunday morning in weeks but they'll show up for that business meeting where they're going to talk about the color of the carpet. And then, what do we see? That's where the issues, the conflict, that's where those things arise. Let me tell you why everyone doesn't need to be there. Um, in this room, just out of curiosity, who, ha who growing up, uh, you were one of at least three siblings? By show of hands. All right majority of the people in here now let me ask you a question did y'all vote on everything as a family <laughs> why i mean it's pretty obvious right pretty obvious you know so if you you got a family of three kids 
even if your parents were together and you had a mom and a dad, you still outnumbered them. And if you took everything to a vote, what would happen? Chaos, right? Chocolate cake for breakfast, candy whenever you want. Uh, you, 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 you know, pizza all the time, playtime all the time. Nothing gets done. Nobody'd have any chores. We voted, we voted for none of the kids to have chores anymore. We want dad to do all the chores. And we voted on it, right? It's a democracy. <laughs> We're, we should vote on all these things. Listen, sometimes it's necessary for parents to do what? Not involve the children in every decision. Why? Because the parents need to be the ones making the decisions. I couldn't tell you the number of times that I told Carson, and he can verify this, when he was growing up, I said, look, I may not have all the answers, but I'm one step ahead of you. I'm one step ahead of you. The church is a family. The Bible doesn't say we're like a family. The Bible says the church is a family. And because the church is a family, the immature will typically what? outnumber the mature it's going to happen it's going to happen as the church grows you have new believers come in they haven't yet been discipled but what's going to happen that that's why throughout scripture when they, they talk about putting people into leadership they're like make sure they're vetted make sure they're able to teach make sure they're able to do this make sure they're able to do that why because they need to have a maturing process before you do those things because they're going to be ones making some decisions right so what the, what's the whole point of this there was wisdom in not having everyone present at this discussion in acts 15. incredible wisdom it was only for the apostles and the pastors now that's not to say that the whole church shouldn't have moments where they they do vote on issues now i won't bore you with the list and i mentioned it earlier we have we've identified like nine things that that we're going to vote on as a church you know and and these are going to be the things that are if we ever and we will we get to a point where we're going to purchase property that's pretty important right that's not just something that a couple of people get together and decide that's a that's a community that's a family decision we're going to do that as a family so but there's certain things and then there's things we're never going to vote on we're never going to vote on the color of carpet or this or that and those types of things those are things that are, are those things divide us they divide the churches over those issues voting on everything hear me on this creates unnecessary division it really does now let's keep reading verse verse uh, 12 then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. Now let's pause there. When Peter finished talking, they respectfully listened to Paul and Barnabas and listened to their work among the Gentiles. Keep in mind, just the two previous chapters, chapter 13 and 14, was what? The first missionary journey. What were they doing? taking the gospel to the gentiles what happened along the way they, they were saved there were so many gentiles that were saved so it made sense they got to hear from paul and barnabas about this and when they were finished then they started to listen to james and james by the way we're going to read this here in just a second james is one of the younger brothers of jesus this is not james the apostle you know you typically think of james and john the brothers that's not who this james is this is a different james 
This James is the younger brother of Jesus, and he is serving as the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. So James is the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And here's what happens next, verse 13. And after they had become silent, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written, after this I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does all these things known to God from eternity are all his works. What does James do? James is the pastor in the group, and he says, let's turn to Scripture, right? Look what the Scriptures say. The Scriptures tell us this. The Scriptures tell us that God's plan from the beginning was for the whole world to be saved, not just us, but it will be through us. And he is pointing right here in Scripture so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name. So James turns their attention to Scripture. The Scripture should then have authority in our decision-making. Right? So you have the apostles gathered together, you have the pastors, and they're, they're, they're looking at this conflict that's happening in the church, and they're, they're like, what are we going to do about this? And ultimately they go, what? Let's look to the Scriptures. What do the scriptures say? The scriptures are authoritative. The scriptures are where we have to rest. So the Bible-believing pastors and leaders should always turn to the scriptures for clarity and for direction. 